Coming up on this week's episode of Destination Linux, the Raspberry Pi Foundation released a new exciting Pi, and yummy. Nvidia is <laughs> and yummy. And Nvidia is entering the arena as well with their own Pi-like competitor. There is some also some great news from Dell as they are pushing to improve privacy on their laptops for use with Linux. In our gaming section, we give Noah that first-person shooter 360 no-scope throwback that he's been asking for. And of course, <laughs> we have our popular tips and tricks and software picks. All this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. Welcome to episode 199 of Destination Linux. Get your DLN mugs, take a sip, sit back, relax, and prepare to have the open source and Linux goodness delivered directly to your brain. My name is Michael, and with me today are the Pokemon Go field research team, Noah, Ryan, and Jill. So, uh, so we've, got, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we wanted to give you a quick note about the things that are ex super exciting that are coming up. So we want to get everyone caught up with what's happening with DLN. And as I said just now, it's the episode 199, which means next week is a huge milestone for the pod podcast. I yes. can't count. I'm not good at 200 math. and just there. That's, you stop there. Oh, next, next Sunday, November 15th, we'll be recording and celebrating episode 200 of Destination Linux. And of course, we're going to go all out this event. So in addition to DL200, we're also going to be having a DLN Game Fest that day. I have an idea, Michael. What's that? I have an idea. I'm going to throw this out there. We've not talked about this before. What if we did episode 200 live? What if we did it live? Love it. Love it. We're going to do it live. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With, without, we totally didn't plan yeah, that. That's not a great idea, Ryan. We didn't sure. come up with that on the spot. I yeah, love it. No, 100% not planned. So we're going to be doing episode 200 live next week, November 15th. We're going to be starting that at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And we'll have a link in the show notes that will be, have you give a link for a time zone converter so you can get it right for your time zone. And also right after that, we're going to be doing a DLN Game Fest happening at 4 p.m. Eastern time on November 15th. So we're going to be playing a bunch of games, including uh, Xenotics, Super Tux Kart, Shellshock Live, and the very popular Among Us. So all this stuff is, is coming up next week. So be sure to, to join us November 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern for the now live DL 200 episode and the DLN Game Fest at 4 p.m. Eastern. And when we say Eastern. live, we do it live every week for our patrons. That's but true. This means everybody's going to be able to watch us make episode number 200. And then mm -hmm. right after that, there'll be a little break. And then we're going to start playing Xenotic on our own server that we created. That's right. Then the community created us a Super Tux Cart server on Yay. digital ocean so we're going to play that then you've got shell shock live and then we're going to do among us and i know some people are saying why are you playing a game that's not native to linux well among us is ridiculously popular right now and we want to show people how awesome it is that we can play the most popular game out right now that everybody's streaming and talking about right there on linux thanks to the work of code weavers and all of that so you got all of these awesome options here to come play and join us and we've got lots of open source games on our own servers. And then, of course, the popular games, too. Yep, absolutely. And that's a great point. We're going to be playing all these games. And I love the, the concept you talked about, how like, it's so popular. And yes, you can play those games on Linux, too. And we're going to prove it on the Game Fest. And also what we're going to be doing is soon we're going to be doing a DLN Gives Back charity. It's, it's actually kind of already underway, but we want to... Uh, have some uh, help with the community about de deciding what charity we want to partner with. So go to the DLN forum and start uh, start voting on the next charity. You'll find a link in the show notes for the forum thread. Be sure to let your voice be heard and give us your suggestion for which charity we should partner with next. 
And last week, we teased that a new show is coming to the Destination Linux Network. Uh, many of you have been suggested in the community that you wanted a gaming show to DLN. And we have listened, and we are bringing DLN, a gaming show, to the lineup. And they are so excited to tell you more about it next week as a part of the 200th episode oh, of Destination Linux. Oh, you're not one of Linux. those people. That's like an American Idol <laughs> move or something there. Not that I ever watched that show. Sure. Uh, yeah. But also, that, that, be, sure to, mean. be sure to Can join we us next tell them week. the name of the podcast? Without who's hosting it, because we will tell them the name of the we will name the tell them the name of the podcast. Two hundred, yeah, exactly. So, and also join us for the game fest next week because the host of the new show will be joining us to frag some pixels. Yeah. So, what's interesting about you said the community's been asking. Literally, we were signing the contracts to bring this host in and finalizing that. We got this message saying, "Hey." I love your shows, Hardware Addicts, Destination Linux, Ask Noah. I have my kids listening to all of them, but they're really into games. And I think if you guys had a game show that would tie it all together and we're like, just wait, it's coming. So here you go. We're going (laughs) to tie that all in for you. You're going to have the network with Pseudo Show. You got the Ask Noah Show. You got DOS Geek, Destination Linux, Hardware Addicts. It's all wrapping up to have all of the great Linux content you want in one network. Texas born to frag. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So in our community feedback this week, James writes us to say, hi there, fearless hosts. I guess he's talking about everyone, but Michael, really enjoy the what? main show as well as several of the others on the network. <laughs> well, you, you have admitted publicly you get scared at horror games. So Because I have I feel like my weak fearless. thumbs are not really good for horror games. True, yeah. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> James goes on to say, much more enjoyable to listen to during travels than the radio, that's for sure, with an exclamation mark. Well, thank you. That's so awesome to hear. Just wanted to follow up regarding the Plasma Big Screen Project. I know you guys reported on it initially a few episodes ago. I was curious to see if anyone took the time to install it on a Raspberry Pi or other device to see how it really worked. Mainly, I'm curious to know if it's a viable alternative as a home theater device or a Chromecast or Roku type replacement. And if not, how far away is it from viable use? Keep up the great work, and hopefully I can join you guys on gaming night sometime in the future. Hopefully you join us Sunday, James. I'd love to have you there. The answer was no until I got your email, and then I went and spent my week setting this all up. It's actually on. You can't kind of really see it, and those who are listening to the podcast, it's, it's blurred out the way the camera is, but it's actually on in the back screen. I've been playing with it and setting it up. I, I would tell you that Plasma Big Screen, when you first install it, I had this moment of geek chills where I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. It has a really nicely laid out menu system. Uh, it was very easy to install and get up and running. And then you start realizing that this thing is very much in, I would say, alpha, maybe even just preview mode. So there is a lot of great functionality and idea behind Plasma Big Screen, but when you look at comparing it to something like Kodi or other things out there, you only have a few apps like YouTube and there's a Twitch app and some bit shoot things and stuff, but there's not even a real clear, concise way to get your own content in there. You would have to just open up the file system and manually drag videos and stuff in. I would say one of the biggest advantages that I've seen is it has CEC integration with your remote control. Um, so you can use your standard TV remote control with it and control it, and it works perfect out of the that box. Cool. Like I can just take my standard TV remote and navigate through all the menus and those things. So the bones are there for making a great media center GUI in the future, but it's still very much in the alpha phase. They do have something really interesting with Mycroft built in, and I was playing with Mycroft. I hooked up a webcam to use as my microphone, which worked right away, which was great. 
And, you know, you, Mycroft, if you've ever used it before, it's, it's okay. It understands some things that you want to do, like, you know, YouTube play DOS geek channel video or SoundCloud play this artist. And it can sometimes find it and sometimes not. And that's kind of the whole experience I would say with this is sometimes the things and the features work really well. Sometimes it doesn't, there's not a lot of customization when you go into the settings it just seems like it's very much a shell. It's very much an alpha, very much at the beginning. If you're wanting to play or want to build apps for this, then it's definitely something to go check out. They even have some type of store integration where they're partnering with another company that it looks like you can get paid to develop some of the apps based on the downloads that you get if you make an app for this. So I would say... As far as it being ready, James, it's not ready to go and put on to your media centers throughout your house, but it is something if you're wanting to play with that you can see that what they have built, the shell of it is something that could be really amazing in the future. It's just not there yet. That would be how I would look at it. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what it kind of felt like when I first tried it a while back. Uh, it was basically like, like that. But it is really interesting, and it does look very good. And I, I do hope that they, they are able to you know crank it out as fast as possible because I think there's a lot of potential for it. And as soon as they can support all the necessary like apps like Netflix and whatnot, there would be a, a good – a huge potential for this as a an option for people to want a, an alternative for the smart TVs and whatever because you know everybody knows that smart TVs default interfaces are the worst like by far. I just couldn't help mm-hmm. but think, yeah. why not partner with Cody and make these features like the CEC and Mycroft and things a part of that versus trying to build their own thing because the skeleton is yeah. so much of a skeleton. And there's so much work that would need to be done, in my opinion, to even get it to Cody's level that I feel like these developers are ridiculously talented in design because the interface is just solid. Um, and some of the features are amazing, but why recreate the wheel? That that was the question I kept asking. Maybe Cody's not open to adding some of the things. Maybe you know these individuals just want to do their own thing, which is fine. But that was the question I asked the whole time is, Man, if you took some of these features and put it in Cody, it would be pure fire. Yeah, I agree with that. Cody, there'd be a lot of great value in having, like, the the interface of Cody is okay, and it's improved over the couple of years or so, but it, I, admittedly, the Plasma big screen looks a lot better, and if they were to kind of combine that, especially the CEC stuff, that's really cool. I mean, Cody yeah. has support for a lot of different uh, remotes, but I don't think it's like a full any remote kind of thing. And if they added that, that'd be very cool. James goes on to say, I've used Collab Mail for years since like Proton Mail. They're a privacy focused company and they're not located in the US. I tried sending this email from his Collab account, but got an error because it got into some spam filter. And well, I guess that's why I haven't heard of Collab Mail there, James. <laughs> Maybe um, I don't think it's something on our end that would have blocked that because we get emails from Proton and Tutana and all of that. But we will look into why um, that might have failed. I've not heard of Collab Mail. Has anybody else heard of that one? No, I hadn't either. But great email. And thanks for getting me to look at something different when it comes to this big screen because it wasn't something I'd planned to install. Uh, but I had a lot of fun playing with this little project this week. So appreciate you sending in that feedback. And some of you may have noticed we lost Noah midway. It looks like his internet went out <laughs> and his hotspot went out as well. So Noah may rejoin us for the rest of the episode or we may have lost him 
um, as somebody may be DDoSing him. Somebody could be attacking his internet personally. We don't know. It's a mystery, but you'll have to tune in episode 200 next week to find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I like yeah, it. Yeah. 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 And we love hearing from our worldwide community. And what we want you to do right now is to get your official DLN mug. It looks something like this. People say it's a life changer it if looks you have one of these. nothing like that. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, it looks nothing like this, but this was an OG one. You fill it with some coffee, you sit down on your nearest stool, and you send us an email. Send your emails to comments at destinationlinux.org. If you give me a compliment, it's more likely to get on the show. If you don't, who knows? <laughs> I like it. It's like, just ask for compliments. That's the best. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, he said comments. He meant compliments at destinationlinux.org. <laughs> yeah, compliments at destinationlinux.org. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With app platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the app platform do all the heavy lifting for you. It has support for many languages like Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, this new app platform is built on top of DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free, actually better than free, because you can go to DigitalOcean's get at DigitalOcean's app platform and get a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And for their awesome service that gives us a Xenotic server and a Super Tuxcart server that we'll be playing on GameFest next week. Yay. All of that's hosted on <laughs> DigitalOcean because they're awesome people. Love them. Again, get started by going to do.co slash DLN for get that $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform service. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. I am so excited about this. Raspberry Pi released a new device. But it's sold out everywhere. I tried I to get know. one Monday morning and I heard um, on Twitter, Ryan tried to get one. And so, you know, that's showing you how demand, in demand the brand new Raspberry Pi 400 personal computer is from our friends over at the Raspberry Pi Foundation. What is the Raspberry Pi 400? You're all, if you're all wondering and haven't seen the, seen the news, it's a pink and white Linux computer full of love and penguins <laughs> that will revolutionize the way now people... I really want one right <laughs> that will revolutionize the way people use the pie it's a actually a tiny computer built inside a keyboard so you add a mouse and a monitor and you have a complete system just like the days of the classic Commodore 64 the Amiga the Apple II and the Atari ST which I have all of those in my collection of course you do Jill of course you do <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just a really amazing computer. It's based on the Raspberry Pi 4 with 4 gigs of RAM. It's got a quad-core processor and some very special cooling to help this little keyboard computer to run faster than ever. And actually, because of it has a heat, heat sink, the speed of the Pi 400 was increased from 1.5 gigahertz of the original Pi 4 to 1.8 gigahertz. Yeah, it's quite speedy. Yeah, that's nice. And it's really nice because they have two options. One is you can just get the keyboard by itself for just $70. And then you, or you can get a full $100 kit, which comes with the official mouse, an HDMI cable, SD card with Raspberry Pi OS on it. Oh, uh, even a tutorial book. 
That's so, nice. Nice. So I was wondering what made the keyboard computer go out of style because this these com- these keyboard computers kind of came in. I, I would say they were before I got into computers, so they weren't really around or very popular. They went away. Everything became now today. If you're doing an all-in-one, kind of built into a monitor. You see a lot of companies doing the built into a monitor, yeah. but it <laughs> seems like such a clever idea. To build it all into a keyboard makes it far more portable than a monitor to yes. carry around. Like you, you could literally put that uh, keyboard computer into a travel bag, and it could be something you use at hotels or other things because you could just hook it up to a TV and start working. I wonder why this went away as a fad. It seems like mm. a really cool idea. Yeah, that's a good question. I think some of it has to do with well, we wanted to get away from using our CRT TVs because they were mm-hmm. lower resolution and hard on your eyes. Yeah. So, and even the old CRT computer monitors were not the best to look at up close, like I had to for many years. Right. But um, but they were much higher resolution. And honestly, I th- I think that's a lot of the reason why. And the companies wanted to sell you their monitors. That's so, true. Yeah. There you you go. know, they wanted uh, back then. You bought you bought your computer with the monitor. <laughs> so and you could charge a lot more for a monitor yes. with a computer built in than you can with just a keyboard. Um, but and, and I guess some some of our patrons are talking about you know people wanting customized keyboards. They want their mechanical keyboard. Mm-hmm. They want you know their RGB throw up. What does Wendy call it? Michael? Rainbow vomit. Unicor- Rainbow, Rainbow vomit, vomit yes. all over their keyboard. They want all of that stuff. <laughs> And you may not have that built in, but I just love this idea. And I love the community support for this Raspberry Pi Foundation. All you had to say mm-hmm. is Raspberry Pi Foundation released and I'm trying to buy it. <laughs> I was just clicking the link <laughs> yes. before I even knew what it was and just trying to buy whatever new thing they've come out with because it's yeah. always something cool. It reminds me of like Pine 64. Anytime they come out with something, I just want to buy it. Uh, this sold out immediately. This gets Linux into the homes of so many people. We've talked yes. about this before. But I want to emphasize how important Raspberry Pi Foundation is to Linux. When you go into Target, I was there this weekend, and there's a whole section with Raspberry Pi kits set up. This is a mainstream store. This is the gaming section. It's like there's a gaming aisle, and then there's the new keyboards and accessories, and you see all of the Razer equipment. And right there in the middle is the Raspberry Pis and all of the different cases and accessories and everything else you can get right there in the middle of Target. How awesome is that? Because every single person who buys one of those is now learning Linux, whether they know it or not. And and it sticks to the Linux foundations, unlike when we talk about Google Android, um, where Mm -hmm. the privacy and security doesn't, in my opinion, stick to any of the standards or foundation we expect in a Linux operating system or using Linux as an example. It's a terrible one, in my opinion, whereas the Raspberry Pi is a perfect example of what we expect in Linux, what we want in Linux. And so many parents that are doing homeschooling, there's so many educational applications you could build robots with these things. You could do your Christmas light settings with these things. They're just, it's endless the amount of projects. There's whole magazines dedicated to just new projects that you can do on your Raspberry Pi that come out monthly. It's just such a great thing. And I love this idea of building one into an all-in-one computer as yeah. well. Yeah, because it, it, it lowers the threshold of being able to get started with the Pi. You no longer have to be a geek or tech. You can just, yeah. just plug and play. What you were saying earlier, Ryan, is the Raspberry Pi is actually the most sold computer in the world. And if you think about that. that, it is 
amazing. I'm I the Chromebook is our, our Chromebooks are the most sold laptops, but the most sold computer in the world and on Amazon is the Raspberry Pi. Oh, that's so that great awesome. to hear. And I love that you put in here, Jill, that the Raspberry Pi would make a perfect gift under the Christmas tree <laughs> or just perfect gift to give in general for whatever holiday you want, because it, it there's, again, you're giving the gift of education, you're giving the gift exactly. of fun. And if they don't like this gift, rip their, their geek card right from them and kick <laughs> yes. them out of your house. Uh, Cause everyone should want a raspberry Pi. <laughs> I have like five. If of they don't them want now. this Christmas gift. They yeah. shouldn't yeah. even if have they, Christmas. If they don't want it. They shouldn't even be your friend <laughs> I know. or family member. Um, let's be honest here. They're, they're terrible people if they don't want a raspberry <laughs> Pi. but I have like five of of them at this point plus i have the pine 64 and then we have another one we'll talk about as well it's just you can't get enough of these and they're all in use yeah. they're all plugged in they're so low power low maintenance you set something up you you can just have different you can have next cloud set up on them you could just do different things with all these one runs in my car as michael knows uh, so as soon as my car goes in park the raspberry pi turns on and you can play games right there it's just such a versatile Products. I love so it. versatile. Yeah. And what's so really neat with the Raspberry Pi 400 keyboard is that it comes with the the 40 pin GPIO header that yes. all the tinkerers are used to. Yeah. So you can start getting that new user you you know hacking on their Pi uh, keyboard. Yes. I think really this is awesome. this is not only is it cool that they're doing this and just gen in general and having this you know as, as a keyboard all in one kind of computer thing because it's like the whole modern retro combination thing. But I also yeah. like the fact that they're looking into more form factors and not just doing a Raspberry exactly. Pi exclusive thing. Now they're doing the multiple form factors with a key. Like they had to modify the motherboard so it would work inside of the keyboard. So they they even have the ports coming like because you know the regular Raspberry Pi has the ports on every single side and now yes. they have the it's all coming out the back of the keyboard so it shows that there's potential that they might even do more form factored kind of playing with stuff and i think it'd be amazing if the raspberry pi foundation came out with a laptop of some sort that would have been kind of they, they would maybe be able to you know change the market of the chromebook being the most popular laptop purchase to go, the Michael. raspberry pi pi, uh, pi book or whatever <laughs> being purchased. Yeah. that'd be really awesome so now they uh, have a bunch of kits to have like a raspberry pi that sits outside of a laptop right or a really thick laptop that you put a regular raspberry pi in but i think what you're talking about is kind of like what pine's done put an actual raspberry pi 4 small form factor inside of a thin laptop with a really good yeah. screen or the yeah, fact that, that they just modified the, the the layout of the motherboard to fit inside this keyboard if they modify the in like the similar way and just made it inside of a laptop that would be amazing yeah, yeah. Like, there'd be so much potential for that and i think that the the coolest thing about this to me is that the keyboard itself is already kind of like an all-in-one as you said but that means it's, it's easier for people to get started because the you know, the, the regular Raspberry Pi, you also have to have peripherals to connect to it in addition to, you know, the keyboard and mouse. But you also have to, you know, set up the OS and you have to, you know, get the SD card and all this stuff. But you can purchase this keyboard with everything all in one and you just connect it to a monitor and you're done. Like that is a fantastic kit that they've set up to make it possible for eliminating a lot of the barrier to entry, which is not really high in the first place, but making it where basically it's gone. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to get one of these and I'm going to put it in my daughter's room for her to have her own computer. And all I need is the monitor and I have an extra spare monitor. Uh, so I'm just going to hook that up. You have a mouse and boom, there's a full computer there for my daughter to play with and put exactly. those educational apps and things. Uh, that's what I like to pretend will happen, but really it'll just be to play 
YouTube kids. But <laughs> you can put those apps on there and force them to play a couple of those educational apps before they're allowed to watch YouTube kids or something like that. But that that's my plan with, with one of these. And it helps them with typing skills and Everything. they can do different Code. products. It's great. Yeah, yep. Coding. Scratch all is that. great. Uh, Minecraft. Yep. So they can do mods. And <laughs> yep. Minecraft's big in my house. Yeah. So yeah, that would definitely be it. <laughs> But Long. maybe may, maybe your your kid would want something else more powerful, right? Maybe she's hmm. not just into the whole uh, the keyboard. I mean, it's awesome to have it in it. But Nvidia is saying like, hold up, we have something that you might be interested in. You know, before you keep hitting refresh on their Pi four hundred, maybe check out the <laughs> Jetset Jetson Nano first from Nvidia because it is a lot more powerful. They say, and it's you in the kit you get like an, a powerful AI robotics machine learning capable a system on a chip or you know so maybe that is something you should be checking out. You and, mean like this right oh, here in oh, my hand? It looks yeah. like you have checked Ryan's it out. So lucky, bam! <laughs> he got one. <laughs> so I couldn't pass this up, man. We have in my hands here is the new Jetson Nano two gigabyte developer kit that I've been playing with all week. And let me tell you something. This is really cool. I didn't expect this to be as cool as it is, but I've been having so much fun. Now, I still would say for the general population, go with the Raspberry Pi. If you don't have a Raspberry Pi, first of all, what's wrong with you? You need to really rethink your life. But <laughs> once you have that Raspberry Pi, then you check out the Jetson Nano 2 gigabyte here developer kit because this is going to get you into the more dedicated machine learning and AI and the courses that NVIDIA has put out there are first class for this little device. And if you go through the courses and take a test and send them a project, they will actually certify you as an NVIDIA AI specialist with this little device here, which is oh, a really cool... That's interesting. It's really cool perk. This is something you could put on your resume. This is something that a lot of companies are investing right now. They're trying to figure out how to leverage AI. They're trying to figure out how to leverage big data. They're trying to figure out how to use machine learning. And this little sock will allow you to start exploring and learning that and in a very intuitive way. And by the way, this little kit here is $59. Just $59. That's all you need to get into here. So these kits used to be 150 or more yeah. for the mm -hmm. bigger versions oh, of yeah. this. So it was kind of cost prohibitive, but they've come out and they're going for the academia, professional developer and hobbyist market. And really the big difference between this device is the focus on the GPU power, which as you know, is what you need more than the CPU when you're doing these types of things like AI and machine learning. So it's got a very powerful GPU in this little device. And they have your first project out there, which you'll probably play with, which is Hello AI World. And you can literally in an hour or two have this completely set up, connected to your computer and doing facial recognition snapshots and deep learning in facial recognition. Or if you want to have it do traffic lights or you want it to recognize your thumbs up, thumbs down or different swipes or gestures. It's so easy. It uses a webcam. Uh, once you get all the software loaded, it uses Jupyter Notebook. If anybody's done Python programming or courses before, you're probably familiar with Jupyter Notebook. Uh, you do it all in Linux. Uh, you could do it in Mac or Windows as well. But of course, we want to focus on Linux. And a lot of the pages and development and everything is based on Linux. In fact, the program that you're going to install on this, the base operating system is Ubuntu. In this particular case, it's Ubuntu LXDE desktop environment. So low powered because of the two gigabytes of RAM that it comes with. So they keep the desktop pretty small. I just love everything about this little device. I've had so much fun with it. 
and my kids are watching me set this thing up and program and teach this device um, to recognize different images and things. And it gets them thinking on a different level as well about computers and really about the future, right? Yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. It's really amazing. Well, I know uh, the there's another developer kit that's four gigs and it's only $99. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of this, uh, the, one of the reasons they've been able to cut costs is uh, NVIDIA bought ARM. <laughs> and, and that really facilitated, uh, you know, better hardware integration and a lower price point. That's so. a great point. I didn't even think <laughs> about that, Jill. That's yeah. absolutely true because they, they have now come in at these price points that make it something really a lot more attractive, I think, for your average population, right? Mm -hmm. At that yeah. $59 mark. This is a great gift as well for somebody. There's so many people who are looking to kind of expand their skills and understand this stuff. And honestly, I don't know much about this AI and machine learning at all, but I feel like in this last few days that I've spent, I understand it at a whole new level, how it's working behind the scenes, how it's grabbing these images and breaking it apart and understanding angles and things to detect facial recognition and all the stuff that we use every day. Yeah. Or, or that's in use every day, but that we don't understand how it works. And this little kit will help you do that. It's and I soon you're going to be a certified specialist. I'm yeah. going for the certification <laughs> to hang on my wall with the other 12 certifications I have. But this one I'm going to be really proud of, honestly, if I can actually get it because it requires you to do a custom project. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to think of a good project idea. If you have one, give it to me. I will take it and use it, and then you can't, and I will have my certification. Well, my, I mean, it, it makes sense if you're going to do an AI thing from NVIDIA. You do the Michael AI bot on top of the NVIDIA. Oh, my there gosh. We go. I mean, <laughs> a living representation of Michael that recognizes people. I'm already a living it. representation of Michael. But anyway. Uh, but this, <laughs> you can put Michael in TensorFlow. <laughs> yeah. We don't even need the real Michael anymore. Oh, okay. Anyway, so th that's... I'm glad I could give you a, another way to troll me. Anyway, so there's a, th this is really cool that they're doing this. I think that is, and uh, that when you mentioned like the, the price drop, like when you first talked about you were going to get one of these, I was like, oh, okay, that's, I mean, I have, I have no interest whatsoever. And you're like, oh, it's because their price is a lot reasonable. Okay, now I'm actually interested in it because $150 for it when they first down is like, mm, no, like that's way too much. Yeah. Now like <laughs> 60, that's totally reasonable. And, you know, yep. And it makes sense that the NVIDIA would put a lot of effort into the GPU stack on the on the Naturally. board. So yeah. it's I'm curious like how much power in comparison between like focusing on the GPU comparison to like the RAM is only two gigs in comparison to the the Pi, which is about you can get a four gig for the roughly the same price and that kind of thing. It's it's a it's an interesting thing that NVIDIA is doing that when they first announced it, I had very little expectation, but now I I too. Am kind of tempted to become certified specialist. <laughs> that's that's awesome. my goal. All of us will be certified specialists in this. And I want to thank NVIDIA too, because I've given them some crap and rightfully so for their proprietary drivers they need to fix on Linux. But outside of that, mm -hmm. things like this where you're providing education to the masses for free and you're giving them an ability to put something on their resume that really could make a difference of them getting a job. And it's first-class training. The trainer uh, is just fantastic in it. The coursework is fantastic really hats off to the team that has worked on this and put this together. And by the way, if any of you are listening to this, and I'm pretty sure a few of you are, please reach out to us because I'd love to interview you about this kit and, and learn some more about what your goals are with it because I yeah. think it's just... Yes. That'd be awesome. 
So next up in the news, we're going to talk about another piece of hardware. This is like turning into a hardware addicts episode. I didn't mean for it to be, but it's kind of turned into that here. Um, Dell is bringing privacy to their next gen laptops. And to me, this really meant a lot seeing this because it it's a company that's meeting us on our foundation in Linux, the privacy and security and open source foundation that we love and hold true. And this is something that Dell is they're basically speaking the language of our community by building in kill switches to their microphone and webcams for their next-gen laptops that they've announced. So we're seeing this functionality being added to the kernel. That's how we know it exists via a privacy driver from Dell where they're working on the software was meant to manipulate the LEDs. So, you know, when you hit the kill switch and stuff that it's the LEDs tell you that it's turned off your mic so that when you do want to use your mic, you're like, Oh, I turned it off. I forgot because <laughs> that happens sometimes when you have these privacy switches on there. Yep. Um, but they're also looking at there's things like privacy screen like uh, adaptation there, which is very familiar to me from the Lenovo's privacy guard, which I think it lowers some contrast and does some things. So at certain angles, your monitor is a lot less uh, easy for somebody to kind of over the shoulder, see what you're working on. Um, from certain angles. So they're really focusing on, it's, we know Dell that's, now. That's funny to me because like, that's like the whole thing about the IPS. You have this wide range of angle, unless you don't want that wide range of angles. So now right. you have these drivers. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like sometimes you, yeah. if you forget, you turn it off. People are like, wow, your screen looks terrible on that. Um, but this is um, something that I really like that they're doing is you're going to get a Dell now. You can go get a Dell developer edition with Linux on it. You can order that. Then you're going to have the ability to add this additional privacy in their next gen laptops as well with kill switches. I think this is just a great move. You're right on, Ryan. It's such a great move by Dell. I've honestly seen a lot a lot of Linux users using the camera shield covers on their laptops if yes. they get a swag from the Southern California Linux Expo. So this is yep. you know, right up our alley. And this really takes Dell to another step closer to being a privacy and security conscious leader for Linux. And as a lot of you may know, um, our much loved XPS 13 laptop with Ubuntu also has a working fingerprint reader. So they have yes. been you know, leading the way in, in privacy and security on Linux. Yeah. I love it. I love seeing Dell do this. I want them to continue down this path, and I hope it turns out to be profitable for them, pushing this privacy and security. But you you mentioned something that I really like that I've seen in a lot of laptops too. Besides a kill switch, which is a really nice extra touch, especially for things like microphone, I've seen a lot of laptops with that built-in shield that goes over your webcam. Mm -hmm. I love oh, seeing right. that. Yeah. I love seeing that. There you go. Yeah. Michael's demonstrating. There in the video. we go. <laughs> yeah. I one. love that there's companies out there that are starting to see that. And what it means to me is that population as a whole is really starting to think about their privacy again and the security of these things. And that makes me so happy, especially when I see random people like sending me emails through Proton Mail and things like that. It's just people that aren't techie. In my mind, it just makes me so happy that people are starting to realize that this stuff really does matter. Matter. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's fantastic they're doing it like that because it doesn't seem like anybody went to them to do this. It's just like they just, hey, we're making this privacy driver structure for here, here's the kernel. Like, here's a patch for it. Like, uh, fantastic. That's great. And I, I think that, that the way they're doing it is interesting because it depending on how they're doing the, the back, like the hardware side, 
it might be possible to backport it because they're doing it where you hit a shortcut on your keyboard and that could activate it. Mm. So I'm curious to see like how if they do any like backporting or retrofitting it to fit on the other computers. That would be amazing if they did that. But I think overall, it's just fantastic that they're doing this uh, privacy driver structure because I mean there are so many times where you'd want to be able to turn these stuff. You know, you don't want to have this stuff li- just running at all times anyway because it's exactly. wasting it's wasting battery depending on if you like a laptop and whatever. So just turning it off would be just nice to have it anyway. And like there's sometimes where reports where people would have their their camera being running like through some random software, but the light's not on and they have no idea that it's happening. And this way you can guarantee that it's not running because the software can't find it anyway. So that's right. just great that Dell's doing this kind of thing. And I, and I think that, you know, the more and more companies like this, the, the more and more people in the mainstream world will see it as a value and look, you know, more closely at privacy and security and also inherently look closer at Linux. So in a indirect way, Dell is helping the uh, adoption of Linux. Exactly. Yeah. I like it. So our security advisory this week is brought to you by Bitwarden, and it's to bring awareness to a major AnyConnect VPN vulnerability out there. Cisco has revealed a zero-day vulnerability affecting its AnyConnect secure mobility client software, which has a proof-of-concept exploit that's publicly available online. So it hasn't been used yet to run malicious code, but the proof of concept is sitting there outlined for somebody online for somebody to use. It could allow a threat actor to run malicious code through a victim's device. This impacts all operating systems except mobile, and that includes Linux. And at the time that I was looking this article up this week, there was no known fix for it. Um, at this point, again, there's nobody who's used this exploit, but it is out there in the wild for somebody to use. Uh, so make sure that you are updating your system on a regular basis so that when there is a fix for this, that you can uh, have that applied immediately. Also, if you keep the default settings in this client, then it won't impact you. And another mitigation is to turn off the auto updater for this until you see the patch notes come out that it's solved in the recent update because apparently it's some type of exploit through uh, or can be exploited through the updater system. There's also an interesting thing that recently came out just like a, a few few days ago or something that Google Chrome and Chromium had an, another exploit vulnerability that was found that is actually having oh, and the wild exploits being found as well. As Ryan said, update as much as possible when you have, you know, when you find that these patches are there. And especially with like if you're a Chrome or Chromium user, you definitely need to update on that as well down too. Switch to Firefox. And then what you want to do is also use Bitwarden because it's the best security tip I can give you is get a good password manager, especially with all of the stuff going on on the internet these days. You need a password manager that you can trust and you should be using passwords uh, for diff- every different site. You should have a different password and a complex password. And to really memorize all of that and keep track of all that, you need an awesome password manager, one that can do master passwords, one that could do phrases, one that has fingerprint security, one that can keep all your passwords safe. It has all the options you could possibly want. You don't have to use fingerprint if you don't want to, but it's there. You can use pin codes if you want to. If you don't, it's there as an option. It's got everything for you to secure your passwords and it's super easy to use. It's the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store and secure your sensitive data out there. Now, I've used Bitwarden for, well, 
I don't know. When did you switch me? Like a year ago now, Michael? I think it's, or so, way, I think it's like videos? a couple years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> this is well before they ever became a sponsor of this show. I love Bitwarden. I couldn't survive. It's the first thing once I've installed a new OS that I go and install is Bitwarden. I trust it. I love it. It has stayed and remained secure for me. It's 100% open source. Yep. And not only can anyone go out there and audit this code, but they take the money that that they're getting and they are applying it to third-party audits so that other companies are actually going out there and auditing this source code to make sure there's no security holes in it. And then there's completely transparent about that and put the audit, no matter what it says in it, out there for everyone to read and then what they're doing to fix any of the issues that may be found there. It's just a fantastic way of leveraging open source but also leveraging, utilizing all of these companies and experts out there that are constantly trying to break and get into things. And for me, that just gives me so much trust in this company. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN and you get started for free. But you want to support this company. They support the entire Destination Linux community out there. And for $10 a year, you can help support them. $10 a year gives you a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey. So if you like to use YubiKeys like I do, you yes. have that option to use. <laughs> Vault Health Reports, uh, TOTP Authenticator, Storage and Generation, Priority Customer Support. So make the smart move like so many of you in the community have done and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN. Get started for free. If you have a business or work for a business or do security for a business, definitely look into Bitwarden for your employees as well. I know a lot of people are working from home now. This is a great way to keep those passwords safe versus what I've seen a lot of time in different companies is your employees are using a notepad text document oh, yeah. all their passwords. <laughs> and that's not very safe, especially now that everybody's at home. So continue, yeah. uh, consider yeah. signing up for Bitwarden. I was impressed that they use YubiKey. They integrate uh, two-step login with YubiKey. I love so that. Now that I'm on Destination Linux, I'm going to be using Bitwarden. <laughs> I love it. We've got another convert. <laughs> nice. So in our gaming section, we're going to talk to you about some stuff that I think is pretty interesting because it's an early access game. And it's like, so do you miss games like Duke Nukem, Doom, or Wolfenstein? Then you might want to check out Proteus. So Proteus is a first-person shooter of old, reimagined using modern re rendering techniques. So it's like a retro modern style. And if you've if you've never used, you've never played Duke Nukem or Doom, like especially Doom, since it was like the originator of first-person shooters. There's it's it's just a fun experience, and you definitely need to check this out. It reaches the quality you expect from a AAA experience while adhering to some of the aesthetics technical limits of older hardware, which is very very interesting. So it's being published by Humble games this is a first person shooter of old as the aesthetics that mix a high quality 3d art with retro rendering techniques complete with top visual effects including explosions <laughs> blood gore and just so much more and if, if you're interested <laughs> not family in that kind of, friendly yeah not yeah. at all family friendly <laughs> but it's still very fun if you're into that kind of game and if you also want something to kind of give the, you know, the nostalgia hit check out proteus for sure it's awesome. I got it in early access. And I think it's really cool that you can render in a pixel CRT or scan line, depending oh, on your nice. micro preference. Yeah. It's it's really cool. And it turns out um, they've moved it up one day. So the official release is going to be on November 9th. Wow. Um, so by the time you're hearing this episode, you can pick <laughs> this game yeah. up. And I love the monsters, the look of the monsters. It just is a nostalgia bomb for me, Jill. I don't yeah. know if it's the same way for you, but when I'm when I'm looking at this, I'm just reminded of Wolfenstein and the original Dooms, and it's, yeah, yeah. I've got to play this. The blood 
squirts everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's like you barely you you just do a simplest shot and it's just all over the place and it spreads real wide throughout the map. <laughs> it's that ridiculous kill bill overdone blood yes, and gore stuff. But that's there. part so of the fun. <laughs> definitely not something to play with your kids around, but if you're needing no. a break from your kids, then go check out this game. Also, if you want to play some fun games with us, uh, I know we've mentioned it, but we really want a big show up. We want a big crowd to come game with us on our game fest coming up next yes. week. So you can pick up a rocket launcher and join us for deal and Zenotic server. Zenotic's completely mm-hmm. free. It's probably in your repository for your distro you're running right now. And so you can pick that up along with Super Tux Cart and come play with us at Game Fest. That's going to be at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Come join us. Okay, so on the tip of the week this week, we're finishing out Linux file system exploration this week with forward slash var. So if you haven't watched every episode of Destination Linux, you need to go back and listen so you know how to navigate the Linux file system. Slash var stood for variable, and it contains data that is changed when the system is running normally, and it is specific for each system, as in it's not shared over the network with other computers. And among the various subdirectories within var are var cache, which contains cache data from application programs, var games, which contains variable data related to games and users. And yeah, I've had to delete some of my uh, var game cache before when uh, games are temperamental. var lib contains dynamic data libraries and files. var lock contains lock files created by programs to indicate that they're using a particular file or device. var log contains log files, var run contains PIDs and other system information that is valid until the system is booted again. And probably our favorite one that we've dealt with many times is var spool, which contains mail, news, and printer queries. Yeah, I've had to go into var spool and de- delete some printer queries yeah. before when things have been temperamental. Oh, yeah. <laughs> var spool, everybody who's tried to deal with printers, and at least for the past few years or whatever. It's, if you have yes. an HP printer, you're fine probably. But otherwise, yeah. you might yes. have to deal with that quite a bit. <laughs> Epson printers, man. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you, Jill, there was a rumor out there that a lot of people don't know that Apple actually open sourced their printer system that we utilize. Yeah, Yeah. cups in Linux. And I've heard that Apple is stopping using cups and people are really worried about this. Have you all heard this news? Yeah, I have, but I, I haven't looked into what's gone Technically, it's, it's weird because the, the cups thing is where the, the guy who was managing cups for a very long time, uh, Michael Sweet, he left Apple, and that is why the cups uh, was not really being maintained in Apple. Because if you look at the uh, commit history of cups, which was on uh, GitHub, with, even with Apple managing it, it's like 95% Michael Sweet. So when he left, it basically just took all of the effort away with him, and which is okay considering he started open printing, which has cups as their own fork, and he's working on that. And he's also working on another one, which is just an initialism nightmare. I can't remember what it is. It's like PPLP or something like that that is uh, a Linux printing thing to kind of replace cups. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that cups is no longer being maintained by Apple because the guy who was actually maintaining it for Apple no longer works for Apple. 
So nice. It's well, fun. There we go. I like that guy, Michael Sweets. And one of our patrons, Michael, wanted to add in there that we have to talk about slash var slash stool. Oh my goodness, var stool. Oh of, yes. Yes. Slash var slash. Of course stool, we do. So. Of course we yeah. do. We got var stool. Of course. Thank That's var. where you save your pictures of your stools in slash var slash stool. Yes, absolutely. Michael has the active stool, and I have the inactive stool. There you go. There you go. <laughs> But they're very important to have it in your var stool, of course. Yes. Uh, Noah's back, actually. Oh, wonderful! Noah's back just in time for software spotlight. <laughs> I uh, I have detailed network analysis now on the uh, on the major carriers and their underperformance or lack thereof in my basement. Oh, boy. <laughs> so what happened? We told everyone they would find out in episode two hundred, but since you're yeah. back. What caused this okay, major data so breach? Were you being DDoSed? For, yes, exactly. They didn't They didn't want the word of Destination Linux to get out. They wanted <laughs> you to go somewhere else. No, but it. here's what's great. Our ISP guys, by the way, they work for Midco because Midco is the greatest ISP in the face of the planet. Everybody complains about their ISP. I have, a, I have like a love affair with mine. Midco is amazing. Anyway, Midco, uh, despite my high level of stress, as you might imagine, was very kind and responsive to my request. Yeah, no, they, they can actually fix the internet, turns out, faster than I can move all of this broadcast stuff upstairs, which also turns out it's the only place you can get cell reception uh, for all of these <laughs> Wi-Fi's that I now have, like, sitting around trying to get telephone connection. So, well, we're glad yeah. you're back. We're glad Me they too. stopped DDoSing yes. and we could get the word yeah. of Destination Linux out. And it's just in time because we're about the software spotlight, one of my favorite pieces of software on the planet that has yeah. literally helped me, you know, put people's lives back together, literally. And so, Michael, tell us about this. Yeah, so this is PhotoRec. We're talk it's a photo recovery tool. It's actually a, it's, it's called PhotoRec because it, it was originally for photo recovery, but it's also a part of TestDisk. And it is yes. a way to get a, basically a recovery of any file mm -hmm. whatsoever. And it is, it was actually highlighted by a community member who sent in an, an email to us to talk about it because we sort of mentioned it on episode 197. And they sent in an email to talk about how their experience was with it. And we realized that we haven't spotlighted photo rec before and how could we not because it's such an important <laughs> tool and is we've all used it for a variety of reasons to save files and yeah. stuff like that so the email says hi dln crew i was just watching episode 197 i often use photo rec for recovering or file carving files from our friends and customers michael was right that it is a pain that when doing file carving all file names and directory structure is lost on top of photo rec this uses the structure that it's like recoup one, recoup two, and that, and so on. This has to be so that there aren't too many files in one folder, which would be hard for some file systems to handle. So he says that he uses an, a script that he attached that will sort the files in the way that I did, which was not the fastest way because I didn't use a script. Uh, I used <laughs> I used a file manager that sort of made it easier, but not really. This would have been really nice to have this when I did use it a couple of years ago. But this like it's basically an extent. It's a, it's a script that allows you to sort by extension, so that they're not just folders named this like recoup or whatever. It's named doc, docx, jpeg, png, mp3, and so on, which is fantastic. It makes it a lot easier to be able to manage the stuff. That way, you don't have to try to dig through everything and find it in different pieces. So that is a very cool tip, and we'll, hopefully I'll be able to get uh, get this script and put it out somewhere, like a paste bin or something like that, so people can check it out. And uh, this is from Joe, so thanks very much, Joe, for sending in uh, that that tip as that script and also reminding us to talk about PhotoRect because, of course, we should have already. And now we have, mm -hmm. so we've, we've, you want we've that covered geek all the hero balance. moment where <laughs> yeah. you can recover somebody's 
first pictures of their the birth of their child. You can recover pictures of their wedding. You can recover pictures. You want that geek hero tag where somebody's looking at you and crying because of what you were able to recover off a machine that everybody right. else they, they they I had one situation where this person uh, didn't know me. They eventually found out about me through a friend, but they had taken this hard drive that they had carried with them for 10 years um, and would go to all of these professional recovery shops to try to get the photos off of this or what they thought were professional recovery shops. And they could not get the photos of their babies when they were young, their daughters when they were born, because that's what it recovered. Of course, they should have done backups, but you know how that goes. And using PhotoRec, and it took, I think, over four days of recovery, but I was able to get all of those pictures back. And the, the sheer amount of feeling like a geek superhero when I was able to <laughs> hand over those pictures was a yes. feeling that I could never recreate again. <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. Photo Rec is something who, the people who created it, first of all, thank you for your genius and your awesomeness for creating mm -hmm. this program. Um, but also everyone should keep this. In fact, no, I think you do keep this on you. Yeah. I, there's a, I have a small little pouch that I take with me and I, it, everywhere I go, if I, if I'm on a service call, it's in my backpack. If I'm traveling, I have it with me. It's, it's in my tech toolkit. It's somewhere. I always have it on me. And in, in that pouch, one of the flash drives in there is photo rec. Um, it is great for all of those things that you said, Ryan. It's also fantastic for selling your encryption and data recovery services yes. uh, by shocking people with the stuff <laughs> yeah. that you can pull back up their hard drive that they thought they deleted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's it, it's also, for me, PhotoRec is, is both a tool to be able to recover data, um, but it's also, it really is an opportunity to really understand that the concept of delete doesn't really exist. Like we put it in computers to make oh, such a like they have control yeah. over it, but really once you've written something to disk there is no unwriting it to disk we can just write over it or we can move it or we can destroy the encryption key that protects it and photorec allows you to kind of wrap your head around that and understand it so even if you don't even if you do make good backups it's a really great tool to kind of explore and play with because it'll help you understand the technology that you use every day i want to go into that a little further no because you made a, a brilliant point there i buy a lot of stuff off of ebay laptops and computers mm -hmm. and things now, I respect people's privacy, so I don't run this, but I always think a lot of times, sometimes they'll even send these laptops with their machine logged in, like you boot up and it logs into their Windows installation or whatever right there with all their files still on it. Some people delete it or they format the drive or they reinstall Windows and they think, okay, now I'm ready to resell this laptop and, and mm -hmm. hand it off. But somebody who is nefarious could utilize a tool like PhotoRec or other tools to recover everything that's on that hard drive because unless sure. you've done several overwrites and even then uh, but at least done several overwrites of all that data just deleting it or trusting windows when it says hey yeah we just installed a whole new version of the operating system and you go well, i don't see my files there when i <laughs> log into it so i'm ready to send it off i could run the software i could pull off the pictures that you had stored before unless you've overwritten that with data and i think that's a concept that even advanced tech People mm -hmm. don't understand. Don't understand that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I think we've had this discussion once or twice before. And if I remember right, we don't quite see eye to eye on this, but I, I would also suggest that in the day of SSDs, um, overwriting really isn't enough because we don't really know where those controllers are writing um, to the memory chips. And so I would recommend that if you're looking from a security standpoint, always just trust encryption. Uh, the data should be encrypted if you want it to rest safely on the disk or if you ever want to reuse that disk. Yeah. I don't yeah. know when we disagreed with that, but I dis I agree with you okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever that dumb now. Ryan 1.0 was, uh, don't listen to him. I agree with you. Uh, now. 
Yeah. Well, for sure. also sometimes on Windows, and I've ran into this a lot with my students that I teach computer animation and motion graphics, Windows often corrupts the file allocation table on flash drives. This is a big issue. And I've moved all my students on Linux now, <laughs> so nice. they're not having this problem. But um, I have used Photorec to recover their you know, animation and graphics files. It's an amazing utility. And I've used it in my IT business, you know, like, like Noah and Ryan and Michael have. Yep. So it's just invaluable for data recovery. And also the test disk for recovering lost partitions. I've used that a lot too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So what I see right now is there are a ton of sales, Black Friday sales and things going on with these USB drives. You can get like a dozen of them for $6. Go take one of those dedicated to PhotoRec. You won't be upset mm-hmm. that you did because one day it will come in handy and you'll be a geek superhero. Get to wear yeah. a cape. It's pretty cool. Swiss Army well, I do. I put a sheet around my neck and run around the house, but <laughs> maybe TMI. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little bit, but the, the geek superhero thing is just—I uh, never thought about it, but it is something that, uh, like, I've experienced as well. When you provide them like the files and stuff that they've been wanting for a long time, like when you, then then they don't even—they—they've actually kind of, in some cases, given up completely, and then it just kind of randomly comes out that you maybe you could help, and then you actually do help them, and it blows their minds, and it kind of mm-hmm. makes me want to like when you brought that up, the geek, the the geek superhero. I was like, that's exactly the feeling you 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 get from it and it also kind of makes it want it where like there there's even as a joke one time there was a uh a friend of mine who I, I helped with the doing that and the next time i came to their house they actually like played entrance music for me to walk through the door with so that that's they were, what i'm talking about <laughs> it's like, WWE style. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous but it was awesome yeah. so like that kind of stuff is something that can happen if you use this tool so again thank you for the developers of making photo rec because you probably don't get a lot of a gratitude because it's, it's it's one of those like uh you know it's kind of one of those obscure things to you you have to be a very geek person to even know it exists and hopefully this will let people a lot more people know that it exists so they can save their files themselves if they want to do that Oh go. my gosh, there's an emergency. What do I do? Google PhotoRec. What is this? Hallelujah. It saved all my files. This is fantastic. Oh, thanks to those guys. Anyway, back mm-hmm. to my day job. That's right. <laughs> exactly. yeah, you, forgot to, you forgot the sheet that you tie around your yeah. neck. <laughs> do the superhero pros. All right. That's it. Our episode 199 is over, which means next week we're at what what's what comes after one hundred? I think it's a, I think it's a two two, two zero zero. No, carry the three. You carry the three. three. Is it three. divided by seven though? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so two two zero two hundred two hundred. That's it. Two yeah. So and don't episode, confuse it with the year twenty twenty, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So episode two zero hundred, as Noah says, is next week, and we want to thank each and every one of you for supporting us by watching and listening to Destination Linux. We couldn't get to episode two hundred if you weren't watching and listening in well over a hundred countries. Joe, who sent in PhotoRec, is from Germany. I love when you guys tag the country you're from. By the way, it fascinates me to see all of the countries that listen to this show on a regular basis. I just love it. If you want more DL, become a patron like all these beautiful faces here with us right now. You get a bunch of perks like unedited versions of the show, VIP access to events, and live recordings of Destination Linux every single Sunday. You all get to experience that coming up in episode 200. You get to come hang out with us and talk with the crew. 
Yeah, and also go be sure to go to the DLNstore.com because you can pick up some swag there. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and even stickers, as well as some more <gasps> stuff. Yeah, even stickers. <laughs> even more stuff coming soon, and you'll especially want a mug to hold the spice of life, a.k.a. coffee, so you can mm. look like a pro while reading the official DLN news and article sources at frontpagelinux.com because there's nothing better than getting your open source article goodness with a good cup of joe in your DLN mug. It's true. Yeah. And do you realize how many amazing shows we have here on the Destination Linux Network? If you didn't, then let me just name but a few. We have the very new pseudo show. We have the wonderful Ask Ask Noah show, This Week in Linux, and the DOS Geek, which is amazing, DLN Extend, and the wonderful Hardware Addicts. And we even have a new show coming from a name you know well and are going to love. So go to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these shows to get the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everyone have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm. Hey, See you next quit week. DDoSing Noah, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. At least not during the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at he least wait until right after the episode. Please, come He's on. going to track you down. <laughs> going to close down your AOL account. <laughs> <laughs>